I'm Lloyd Freeman, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. Over the past year, there have been numerous conversations about race in America. They've been largely centered around Black Americans and the Black experience. However, with COVID, the pandemic, and uh, the shooting that occurred in Atlanta, which killed six Asian women, this pushed Asian American discrimination and hatred to the forefront. One of the major missteps, though, in rallying in the wake of hate crimes against this community is the thinking that Asian Americans are a monolith. Today, I'm joined by Gigi O'Neinen, partner at Shunker Nainen and & Company and a fellow Rutgers Law School alumnus. He's going to offer his perspective on the South Asian American community and its role in America's ongoing conversation about race. Gio, welcome to the podcast. Lloyd, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes, this, this is going to be a good conversation, uh, one that I've actually never had with anyone before. Uh, and I, I love it because what we're going to do is we're going to debunk some myths here. Uh, and we have to start with the biggest one, uh, the fact that all Asians are a monolith. Um, many Americans don't understand who South Asians are and, and where they come from. Can you just break this down for us uh, on a very granular level and provide some context around just how diverse the South Asian population is? It is extremely diverse. First, let's just define what a monolith is. A monolith is geologically, it's, it's one stone. And it basically means that you're being clustered together. And unfortunately, you can't cluster South Asians or Asians um, together because it's such an extremely diverse population. Just to give you an example, many Asians are labeled to be, you know, I guess the model minority and very rich and, you know, educationally strong. But a lot of people don't know this. Cambodians are, which are 19% of the uh, Asian population in America, live in poverty in America, and people don't know that. And so just to give you that example, but in terms of like what a South, uh, South Asians are, it, it, it comprises so many different countries, like Afghanistan, which is obviously the news now, Nepal, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Thailand, Bhutan, Myanmar, Vietnam, Philippines, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Singapore, and the list goes on. And so... And each of these countries are also subdivided into, uh, into caste systems. They're divided into um, uh, religion. They're ethno-linguistically um, divided. And so as a result, people don't realize that how diverse the community is. Just to use India as an example, where I'm from, and that's where I originate from. And actually, I was born there. I was born in a, a, a place in South India called Kerala. Um, so southern tip of uh, southern, southern tip of India. Actually, a lot of the Brits usually uh, vacation there. It's very beautiful, but we are Christian, which is only two percent of the entire Indian population. And we're looking at what a billion and a half people. And when you say, okay, let's cluster a billion and a half people together, it's practically impossible, right? Because those people are subdivided into again, uh, and this is crazy that you know but there's 19,500 different sub dialects the indian government actually acknowledges 122 major languages in india 22 of them are given like you know constitutional rights which are you know they range from malayalam which is my native tongue hindi which you you i'm sure you've heard of yes uh, my wife's languages were uh, uh, kannada and telugu there's uh, Gujarati, there's Punjabi, there's all of these languages. Different areas have different languages. And there's 29 states now, because there, there used to be 27, they've subdivided. So there's 29 states. 
seven territories in India. Each of those territories are further subdivided because people speak different languages. Interestingly enough, the, the, the language everybody does business in because South Indians don't like speaking Hindi uh, and North Indians don't know how to speak any of the South Indian languages. As a result, everybody does business in English because of the because of like the British influence. A lot of people will do business in English. the The court system will be either in English or in Hindi, typically in English. And so, as a result, there's is it's a huge subdivide of population. So, the Hindus are eighty percent of the population, about a little less actually. Fifteen percent are are you know I would say. Uh, which which will include like Christianity two percent, Sikhism, which is one uh, about a little less than one point seven five percent, Buddhism, which is about a percent, Jainism, and then you get into like the interesting ones like animism, Judaism, which exists in India. And oh, wow. what's interesting about what's interesting about India is that they call it the largest democracy because there is an act. And I recently just came back from Mumbai about a month and a half ago, and I learned some things when I was there. There's an act for each of the different religions that, on, on how if you passed away and there's an estate, how that, that estate gets passed, for example. So Christianity has an act. Uh, Hinduism has an act. You can't cluster people together. So when I go to college and people are like, oh, you know, you should join your ethnic group with Indian Americans. The issue is that even though we, you know, some of us may look alike, it, it, we're, we're actually very different. And so right. uh, and, and people don't realize that. And so, you know, I think that you maybe even were fortunate enough to have, you know, a college or, or some other institution that had a group for uh, Indian American students because there was a, um, a survey. And I know I sent you some stats on this. Uh, it was a 2016 National Asian American survey. And that found that 41 percent of white Americans, they don't even view Indians as Asian. And so sometimes there's kind of an Asian American group and you're uh, supposed to go and join something uh, uh, around being an Asian American, but there's some individuals who don't even view you as Asian American. Do you have any ideas around the, the, the how or the why there's such miseducation and misinformation on this about, I don't know, either where the where India is or the classification of, of certain individuals, you know, who are South Asians as Asians generally? The honest truth is I, I, I think it all comes back to the model the model minority myth. You know, now I don't experience it as much to be quite frank. It's it's getting better. But growing up, and I grew up in the Bronx, which is interesting because I was one of only two Indians in my high school, just to give you a gauge. I grew up with a lot of blacks and Hispanics and Caucasians um, in in the Bronx and you'd be labeled as a dot head, you know, just to give you an example, right? Wow. You you remember wow. you remember those and and, oh, yeah. and 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 it was and it was commercialized by the Simpsons. You remember all of these jokes, you know, and it's I know it's a sitcom and, and satirical, but this it, it builds a culture uh, of, of of hatred and and like and I guess stereotyping. And actually, in, in fact, at Rutgers Law School, we did not have a South Asian uh, at the time. Now it uh, now it has. And your classmate, uh, Anish. Uh, was uh, one of the people who was instrumental in getting it there recently. That's right. To be quite frank, there wasn't a, uh, a South Asian American um, a group at, at, at the school, Infinity uh, Association for the Law Students. So we, I was actually part of the Asian American 
Law Students Association while I was at the school. I'm happy that they're, you know, they've further subdivided because it's a very big classification. Don't get me wrong. I actually do identify in both classifications. It's interesting. Sri Srinivasan, who's the chief judge for the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, he's on the circuit court. When he became the circuit judge and became the chief judge, there was a big occasion because he, he was identified as the first Indian American. But it's interesting is because he's all he also identifies as Asian. And so you have you can't you're not just saying, OK, I'm 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 just Indian. No, you're both. But at the same time, there has to be an understanding. If you build awareness that this does exist and and what your podcast is doing in terms of building awareness, I think that's what's really important is because people don't understand it and people don't understand that there are you know, uh, 22 major languages plus English, which is 23 in India, and, and every state will speak a different one. Um, people don't understand that. And then, in, and for me, in person, on a personal level, people don't realize that, so, and this is a true story, my parents actually care more about religion than ethnic um, background. So my, oh, parents, okay. my parents are Christian. They always, they're like, oh, we want you to marry a Christian girl because they're, they're very, you know, they're very religious. My, my dad, you know, God rest his soul, he passed away. He wanted me to marry a Christian girl because he's very religious. And what's interesting is that 80% of India is, is, is Hindu. So if you're, and there's only 2% of India that is Christian. If you are trying to play the odds on, on who you're going to ultimately, and I did not marry a Christian girl. I actually married a, a Hindu girl who speaks two different languages than me. They have different cultures. They're a, so their culture is actually far different, more different than if I had married someone in America who was Christian. Um, and so, so it's, it's interesting. So people just don't realize how different the cultures are. Just, just using India as an example. But this, this exists in, in Bangladesh. Bangladesh has a, a, a small minority Christian population. A lot of people identify them as uh, Muslim, but a lot, a huge uh, Christian population in Bangladesh. Pakistan, uh, you know, there it's mostly Muslim, but they, they, there are other populations there as well. So people don't realize that because when uh, Islam, when uh, Pakistan separated from India, it, it actually subdivided the Punjabi state, and Punjab was had Hindus. And six, and that's why there was a big subdivide between the six and, and the Islamic faith. So, you know, I, I love the way that you are, you know, framing this and breaking this down because I'm sure the listeners are learning a ton. I'm learning a ton. Uh, unfortunately, though, um, the conversation around, uh, you know, the different uh, communities uh, for, for South Asians or even just Asian Americans being in the forefront, as I mentioned in my intro, it, it comes to light when there are bad things that are happening, right? And so we talk about hate crimes and violence. And, and the same thing happened, you know, of course, with the black community. Uh, and so there was, a, of course, a ton of conversation around race. Uh, as you saw, um, a lot of the, the violence against African-Americans come to the forefront of this conversation. Uh, but now uh, that we're seeing a lot more as it relates to, to Asian-Americans, um, are you or are individuals in your community uh, are you seeing a disconnect in how America reacts and responds to uh, this violence and, and hate crimes toward whether it be individuals who call themselves just American or individuals who are, are um, of course, of some kind of other ethnic influence like East or South Asia? I don't think it's an issue with uh, Americans because I just think it's a situation that they're not educated about these issues. And I think that's where it really stems from. And education of these issues, and and again, if there was more education, maybe hate crimes wouldn't occur as well, right? 
that's that's another, that's another truth. But um, with respect to like, you know, so my brother actually uh, is still in the military. He's a, he's a major in the army. He's my only only older brother. He's five years older than me. He's still still a major in the army. And he actually joined the military in December of 1999. He dropped out of college, uh, joined the military in 1999. Um, and he, at that time, and this is circa 1999, he was one of the very few, and still one of the very few Indian Americans or Asians in the military. And he joined the Marine Corps and he enlisted and then he fought in the, he actually served three tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. And so what he saw, I remember him telling me, is that even in the military, which are a lot of people that come from, which is, is interesting, is there's a bigger uh, population of the South that come to, that join the military than, than in the North. There's huge racism in, 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 in it because they're misinformed on the type of people Indians are. And so, and so, or, or, or South Asians and Asians and whether they're strong enough to fight, um, et cetera. And so with respect to, with respect to like the, the type of, um, uh, racism we're feeling it, it, because of the whole mi- model minority label, everybody thinks in, and, and this is a, and, th- and this is somewhat, you know, forced on us, but from parents too, par- because of the family uh, situation, families want you to be educated. They want you to study. They want you to be doctors, lawyers, or engineers. Those, if, if you are not a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, you are uh, outcasted by your parents. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> and, and it's true. And, you know, my brother felt this as well. But, you know, uh, when, when you are not part of that and, and other people see that, that you're coming in and you're, gonna, you're supposed to be this, you know, perfect model citizen that, become, uh, that goes to college, gets a master's degree or, you know, gets a Ph.D. or goes to law school. It's, it's, you have like a few things that you're supposed to do as a model minority. And as a result, when things do occur to, uh, you know, to the either South Asians or Indian Americans – People don't react as quickly. And because, like, for example, especially in the wake of 9-11, I had friends who were sick Americans. And and, 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 and now, you know, uh, there are a lot of, you know, sicks that are, you know, coming up in the New Jersey uh, uh, government, for example, uh, former former Attorney General uh, uh, Grubir Grewal or, or, uh, or Ravi Bala, from, who's the mayor of Hoboken. They, they've, I'm sure, experienced a lot of this as well. Because of them wearing a turban, you know, and them being, what's interestingly enough, misidentified as being Afghanistan, you know, Taliban, for example. They're completely different. And the reason that they would, you know, they don't cut their hair, etc. is completely very different. And so, and, and, and so they would feel this. And then recently, I, I was very surprised to learn. That, you know, there's still, you know, it's still happening. And, and I'm sure it's going to increase even more now because, again, now there's not another rise of the Taliban. Maybe, you know, there's more misinformation. Who knows? And people are going to take it into their own hands to, to do something, unfortunately. And, like, this is what happened in the Indianapolis when sick Americans were murdered recently. And, and, mm-hmm. and in Atlanta when Asian Americans were done. And, you know, I just think it's a situation where people need to react more. Um, and unfortunately for black Americans, this has been a conversation that's been occurring for years 
over the 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 the, the Indian American um, uh, and Asian because uh, we're a recent minority. Although there were Sikh Americans, I know there's a Supreme Court case in 1923 where with called Thind, it's called uh, Bhagat Thind. Who, who, who wanted to become a U.S. citizen, naturalized citizen, and Supreme Court of the United States ruled that he can't because he's not Aryan and, and white enough at the time. But even though that, that case does exist, Indian Americans didn't really uh, come to the United States until the 1960s. That's when they really started coming. So mm-hmm. the 60s, right around when everyone was starting to get their civil rights, uh, etc., is when Indian Americans started, you know, I guess, migrating over. So the conversation is very new. It's 50 years old. Uh, to be honest, versus where uh, black Americans, it's, 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 a, it's a conversation for men. 400-year-old uh, 400-year-old, you know, conversation. So, so that's part of the reason we are, you know, it's still new. And I think the more education and awareness we build around it, um, I think the, the better um, uh, prepared people will be in dealing with race issues um, surrounding South Asians and Asian Americans. And that's a good segue to my last question, Gio, which is, um, uh, you know, increasing this education and awareness, uh, understanding, of course, with uh, a 20 year anniversary of, of 9-11 and um, uh, everything that's happening, of course, with just generally, you know, violence against Asian Americans. Um, there's been a, a lot more rallying around, uh, you know, these groups. And I know that you've been involved with the uh, South Asian Bar Association um, and just other affinity groups that you're involved with. What's being done uh, to, to bring these conversations to the forefront, to really just uh, uh, shed some light on, on this culture and, and these communities uh, and to provide some more information? Uh, where can our listeners go to kind of continue this conversation and learn more? My role has been limited in getting you know, an increase in awareness for social issues. But there are, there are other vice presidents and folks within the community geared towards pro bono affairs and increase in terms of uh, in terms of diversity and chapter awareness that they push forward content um, and uh, and panel discussions related to this, which I think will educate folks um, in understanding race issues in America. And, and I think that's the biggest involvement in, in, in understanding uh, and awareness and education. And that's what the South Asian Bar Association of New York has been doing. And that's what I'm hoping um, other um, other organizations uh, will follow suit. And in, and the more education you can bring bring to this and the more light that you can bring to this, uh, the better prepared the American population will be in dealing with these types of issues. Yes, you packaged it perfectly, awareness and education. Uh, and if the title of this podcast has ever been uh, more poignant, uh, today certainly uh, showcased that the different dimensions of diversity that you outlined uh, within the South Asian community uh, was very much so well taken uh, and much appreciated. Gio, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I appreciate having you on and all of your insights. Thank you so much, Lloyd.